Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. You know, about five years ago when we, I don't know how long we've been doing Operation Christmas Child, but I went and spoke at a a small country church in another state, and they told me of an older lady in their church who brought in herself 200 boxes to challenge that church, said, I dare somebody to top me and how many boxes I can bring in to this church. That's a lot of those little shoe boxes, so I hope you will participate in that. Some of you guys have heard the story of when I, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I was leaving class and headed back to our little apartment, and I thought, I've got to get this thing figured out, uh, how, to, how to follow Jesus well, and I, I knew that this book would tell me what, what it looked like, so I, I said, well, what I'll do when I get back home to our apartment, we've been married about three months, I'd been a Christian about six months, and uh, I said, I'm going to go through the book, I'm going to take a take one of my uh, pads, and I'm going to write down everything I should do and everything I shouldn't do, and I'll just, that'll be it. I'll, and then I read the Bible. And then I said, wow, this is a little tougher than I thought it was. How am I going to do the things it says to do and not do the things it says to stop doing? Because even Jesus raised the bar on so much. I mean... When the Beatitudes, when he preached through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and every time I read that, I see a picture of the kingdom, what it's like when his rule and reign comes, I go, wow, Jesus, what a high bar. And I'm thinking about the people listening to him when he's preaching. This is what it's going to be like to be a follower, follower of mine. So uh, over in, Act, in uh, John 14 and 15 and 16, Jesus starts talking to his disciples, and he starts to tell them that, He's not going to be with them much longer. Now, he had been with them for three, three and a half years. They had a different concept than he did of what was supposed to happen. They still expected him to come and rule and reign, and that is that Jesus would, in the power of God, somehow lead an insurrection, kick the Romans down, take over, and then the disciples would come alongside Jesus, and they would rule and reign through Palestine. That was... Still, after three, three and a half years, that is still what the disciples thought. Well, Jesus gets to John 14, 15, and 16, and he starts talking about, hey, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And I start imagining the anxiety that they felt because for three and a half years, they had put everything into what this man was saying. And they were thinking, it won't be long now. He's going to establish his kingdom. It's going to happen. And then suddenly he's... Like, no, I'm getting ready to leave. And so uh, he says these words in John 14 that I'm going to send someone to you. Someone else is coming to be with you. Uh, But I've got to go back. And even in Acts 1, the first chapter of Acts 1 and verse 4, think about this. Think about this a little bit. These guys, 
of these women, all these people, this 120 or so that were here, after the resurrection, right? These people know Jesus rose from the dead. They know it. They have spent a month with him afterward. They have had a meal on the beach with him. They have listened to him teach. He is, they have lift, listened to him tell them how to fish. I mean, he has walked through a wall. I mean, would you go, duh, if Jesus did that for me, I'd believe too, right? And uh, all of this. But yet, here it is, that moment in time when Jesus says to them, I, I'm leaving. It's time to go. And the disciples go, oh, well, maybe now is when you're going to establish your kingdom. They still don't get it. After having seen him come out of the grave, after having seen him do miracles, after having heard everything and seen everything, they still think he's going to set up a kingdom right then. So he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And he's talking about John 14, 15, 16. For John baptized with water, that's repentance, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. In other words, it's not for you to know when I'm coming back. And believe me, that's still true. No matter how many books by a title that will tell you He's coming back or whatever television program tells you He's coming back. Nobody knows. Not the disciples. No one. Jesus didn't even know. He said it's the Father that knows. Has set by His own authority... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be, would you say comes on me? Just say that with me. Comes on me. When the Holy Spirit comes on me, then I will be witness. I will be a witness. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Myrtle Beach, in all Judea and South Carolina, and Samaria and the United States, and to the ends of the earth, the world. But that's not going to happen until the Holy Spirit comes on you and so since they still didn't get it Jesus says go to your room disciples he sent them to their room all 120 and don't come out until the Holy Spirit comes on you because you guys just don't get it go to your room and wait and so this morning we're going to talk about what a difference the Holy Spirit makes why the Holy Spirit matters in our life. So let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for your word. I am so grateful, God, that these were ordinary people that we read about in the scripture. I take great consolation and hope and encouragement from that. And I thank you, Lord, that your word here is speaking to us even this morning. Holy Spirit, uh, you're very uh, and sometimes difficult to describe. But I know you're here and I know you live in us. And I know you can fall on us and you can fill us and you can do all kind of things through us and in us. And so we welcome your presence here. We ask for you to come to make yourself known, Holy Spirit, this morning. Help me in my weakness, Lord, to bring your word. Please let us hear your words today because your words are life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, John 14 in verse 12 Jesus is having this conversation, and uh, he goes, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? 
Have you read any of the works Jesus did? Casting out demons, healing the sick, stuff like that. You will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Whoa. Because why? I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. It's hard for people who don't know Jesus to accept this about the Holy Spirit, to understand who he is. It's very difficult to explain this to someone who doesn't follow Jesus, for them to experience the Holy Spirit, because it neither see, they neither see him nor know him. But you disciples but you know him and he will be in you and so Jesus says I've got to go back to the father so that this advocate that word advocate describing the Holy Spirit is a legal term Uh, I'm not going to ask how many of you have had to go to court okay but (laughs) you know when you go in the court You don't want to be your own lawyer, right? And so you have an advocate with you. You have someone that, or you may have a testimony. You have someone that comes along, a witness. Someone that comes alongside you and will walk with you into the court and will be there next to you. The Greek word's a funny word like parakletos, and it just means one that comes alongside. An advocate, one that will stick close to you, be there with you now. Uh, that's the term that Jesus is saying. I'm going back, but the Holy Spirit, the advocate, is going to come alongside you. I was the first advocate. I was with you, right? But I'm going back, and now not only will he be alongside you, but he is going to be in you. And Jesus says, this is really important because I can only be in one place at one time. And now the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will live in every follower of Jesus. And he will do and speak and he will do the things that I did and he will do it through you. And like I said, at this point in time, the disciples still were not getting it. Remember, we got to Acts 1 and they were like, is this when you're going to set up your kingdom? They had heard all of this and they still didn't get it. Sometimes I think, you know, we don't get it. Why does the Holy Spirit matter if you want to track with me and your fill-in this morning? Because of the Holy Spirit, this is your first one, you are no longer spiritual weaklings. Because of the Holy Spirit, you are no longer spiritual weaklings. He says, you will do the works that I've been doing, even greater things. Why? So that the Father may be glorified. Anything God allows to happen in our life through the Holy Spirit is so that the Father can get glory, so that he can get some attention that's due his name so that the Father may be glorified. And so this spirit of truth would come. And the disciples, you know, were sent to their room where they waited and were praying and they chose another leader because Judas, right, kind of messed up, the treasurer did. And, uh, and so they get another leader and they wait and then on the day of Pentecost, one of the celebrations of Israel, the Holy Spirit comes. And they go from being the questioning, doubting people, not getting it, to getting it. And when they got it, got him, the Holy Spirit, they spilled out into the streets. 
and life changed. Now, there is a huge difference between when they were sent to their room and when they went to the street. An amazing difference between being spiritual weaklings, doubting everything, wondering what was going to happen, to suddenly being bold enough to step out into the streets and preach to something like 9 to 11 different nationalities that were in Jerusalem at that time. Boldly. Amazing difference. Many of us think I can't. I had a guy tell me this one time. He said, I can't do this Christian thing, Tim. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I said, I know you can't do it. I can't do it either. And we can't do it on our own. And that's why he sent them to their room until the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And the Holy Spirit would come alongside, be an advocate, work in them, and it would be power in their lives through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4.31, it says, After Peter and John prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and did what? Spoke the word of God boldly. And this is one of the guys who had just denied even you, Jesus. But now he's speaking boldly the word of God. What happened? Well, what happened was the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him. And that's why Jesus said, don't go out there and try to do this work without the Holy Spirit in you. Full, be full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 29. We've t- we tell this story over and over again here because I think it's such an apropos uh, example of how we should live our lives. But the Spirit told Philip. Remember him? He's, the Spirit told Philip. That is that the Holy Spirit can speak to you and, and kind of lead you in certain direc- directions. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot where that Ethiopian uh, ruler, the wealthy Ethiopian was in his chariot. Go to that chariot and stay near it. I mean, that's not a spiritual weakling or an income poop, is it? To be able to hear The Holy Spirit say, go there, go here, go there. The same Holy Spirit that was in them is in you if you follow Jesus. Have you ever had this sense you've been praying or something and then you just, this person's face goes across your your mind suddenly. And you go, man, I haven't thought about them in so long. I don't know why I just thought about them. Well, maybe you need to pick the phone up and call them and just simply say, thought about you today. How you doing? Keep tabs on how many times that you do that follower of Jesus and you find out that, I don't know what it is, eight times out of ten it was God moving on you to be a voice to them at that time. Holy Spirit still speaks. Uh, There's an old missionary I know up in the upper part of South Carolina has a missions training center. This has been 30-some years ago. He was praying about where to go with his missions work next, and he started having this recurring dream. He could see a man standing on the other side of a stream, and he was doing this. And he kept dreaming that, and it was a rock by the stream, and he kept seeing this. And so uh, he got invited. Uh, I don't even remember the country now, but he got invited to this country, and he flew over, and uh, he's walking out in the, the wilderness part down a little dirt path and he comes to a stream and he stops and he looks and this head pops up by this rock and this guy goes like this and uh, Pastor Worley goes no way (laughs) you know he goes no way and uh, he steps across the stream and he goes over to him and the guy says I've been waiting on you for years I've been waiting on you for years and Pastor Worley went, took the missions group into that 
tribe into that area, ministered the gospel to them, helped them with education and doing all he could to help them. The Holy Spirit still talks. And I know if you're not used to this, you go, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to lie. It's wonderfully weird. But it makes sense that God would still speak to us on some level. Don't you think? Don't you think if God's presence lives with us, that he would still talk to us at times and urge us to do certain things? And say, you're no spiritual weakling. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you right now if you're a follower of Jesus. Isn't that phenomenal to to even contemplate? The same Spirit that went through that body in Jesus' body and got him up out of that grave, that same presence of the Father is in you as a follower of Jesus right now. It's the same one that's going to get your body up out of the grave in that day. And it resides in you right now. Why wouldn't he want to still work through you, speak to you? You're no spiritual weakling. No spiritual weakling. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Who couldn't use some joy? And I like the fact that the Holy Spirit and joy kind of is mentioned together. You know, it's not like, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, yeah, I've got to follow Jesus. It's rough, you know. I'm just like... I don't know why I decided to do this. Uh, You know, it's like there's joy in this because there's adventure in this. You never know when God is going to point something out or use you in some phenomenal way. But realize this, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. You operate with him. He doesn't take you over and, you know, you start, now that's weird. You know, he doesn't overwhelm your willpower. He doesn't usurp your understanding. He doesn't kick your intellect into neutral. None of that. He works through you and who you are. And you agree with him and you're listening to him. And he'll go, go here, do this, say this. Yes, all right, let's go. What's next? He speaks to you cooperate with your advocate. And as you cultivate that, you'll recognize his voice even more so. Acts 20, 22 through 24, the disciples are now compelled by the Spirit. Compelled, there's this sense of I have got to get going. God has pushed me out there. There's something I've got to do. I've got to go. Compelled by the Spirit, this is Paul speaking, I am going to Jerusalem. But listen to this, not knowing what will happen to me. Because you're compelled doesn't mean you've got the whole story sometimes. That's the adventure compelled. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I only know that in every city, listen to this, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Oh, nobody likes that one. I don't know why. It's like, everybody's like, oh man, that's bad. No, that's preparing Paul. It's like, come on, Paul, here's the adventure. But hey, just because things get rough at times doesn't mean God isn't in it. Just because you face difficulty or a challenge or a pushback in your life as a follower of Jesus doesn't mean God is not leading you. The whole question is, are you hearing him? Do you sense him calling you and being with you there? However, listen to Paul, however, even if the Holy Spirit warns me this is going to cost you, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What was that? The task 
of testifying to the good news of God's grace. To Paul, that was it. If it cost me, it cost me. Whatever, God, lead me. Holy Spirit, advocate, parakletos, help me. Show me where to go, what to do. If you warn me, I'm ready. You've warned me now. Okay, I'm not going to be surprised when it comes upon me because you told me that this may be the price I have to pay, but that's okay because this is what my following you is all about. We need the Holy Spirit. There is no way Paul could do that or even say that outside, as he said here, the Holy Spirit's presence in his life. And I know we all receive the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into the body uh, through the Holy Spirit when we respond to Christ's call. And that's a mystery in itself. But you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be a little low. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can recognize His presence or you can disregard His presence. That's up to you. That's up to you. You can say, fill me with your Spirit, Lord. Because I want to be used by you and I want to walk and follow after you, but fill me. You're no spiritual weakling when the Holy Spirit is in you. Watchman Nee said, Biblical regeneration is a birth by which the innermost part of man's being, the deeply hidden spirit, is renewed and indwelt by the Spirit of God. It requires time for the power of this new life to reach the outside. That is to be extended from the center to the circumference. And you know that, don't you? As you follow after Jesus, it takes some time for what you know has happened to you to make its way out. Like some of us get discouraged. We go, I don't, I don't see a lot of Jesus in my life. Well, it's making its way out. That's what Watchman Nee is saying here is that as the Holy Spirit works in you, it becomes more pronounced and you begin to see him using you and speaking to you and, and suddenly you're, you're like, yeah, I know God is with me now. I see his activities in me. And so don't, don't get uh, you know, depressed or, or let this uh, kind of pull you away from following Christ because you haven't seen as much as you want in your life. It's making its way out in you in concentric circles as you begin to allow him to work in your life. Dwight L. Moody, some of you uh, have heard of him, many of you probably have not, but he was a shoe salesman back in the 1850s, a shoe salesman. And his, uh, his plan in life was to save $100,000, which was a lot of money in 1850, and become a wealthy person. And uh, God kind of <laughs> changed his life. This man rushed into the shoe store one day and told Moody about Jesus. And Moody responded, to Christ, He was raised in a Unitarian home which did not recognize Jesus as being anything special, not as being the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so he had never heard this until the man shared this with him. And he began his journey with Christ. And Christ told him, he said, that $100,000 that you want to save, that's for the orphans and the poor that I'm going to send you to. And so he began to work with orphans and poor people around Chicago and the great Chicago fire came in and it swept through the city and it swept through his house. It burned his house down. It burned every one of his buildings down, took everything he owned, put the orphans and all out on the street and he had to start all over again. He's walking down Wall Street in New York one day just pondering things and thinking what life maybe I don't know what he was thinking exactly but you can imagine it all started out when I'm going to be a rich man but he's walking down Wall Street and he feels the presence of God the Holy Spirit all of a sudden comes on him and here's what he said and I pray this for all of us that we would experience the spirit to this 
to this depth. He cried out, standing on Wall Street, Hold it, Lord! Enough! Like I can't take any more of your spirit. I feel your presence so in me and on me after all it had gone on. And walking down Wall Street, he feels the presence of God. Moody went on to do great works. And matter of fact, up to the day he died, he was preaching six sermons a day. And uh, it is said that Moody personally shared Christ and saw one million people come to follow Jesus in his lifetime. You're no spiritual weakling when the Holy Spirit lives within you. You have no idea. Shoe salesman? Shoe salesman. Fishermen? Really? Tax collectors? Surfers? (laughs) I mean... You have no idea what is inside of you. You are no spiritual weakling. When the Holy Spirit came, it was a promise of all those hundreds of years before that on every person, old and young, male and female, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the same Holy Spirit. All of us got the same presence of God. The same one. Moody also told a story about a man who was a real tightwad. You know what I'm talking about? A real miserly man who he came to Christ and, and he told Moody taught him, he says, you can't be a tightwad and you know, follow Jesus. He wants you to be a giving person. He wants you to have a kind heart. And so the farmer heard that one of his neighbors was in trouble and, and didn't have food. And so he goes into his uh, shed and to uh, get a ham with all the hams that were you know, hanging up in his shed, and he hears this voice whisper to him, give him the smallest one. <laughs> and uh, the farmer went, hmm, I know what that voice. So he went over to the largest one that he had, and he grabbed it, and he heard the voice go, you are a fool. And the farmer responded to that voice, and he says, if you don't keep still, I'm going to give this man every ham in this place. And so the devil shut up. So that's the difference, you know, from going from a miserly farmer, tightwad, to saying, you know what, devil, you push me hard enough, I'll give everything I've got away. Don't push me. (laughs) You're no spiritual weakling. Secondly, in John 14, 18, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for the coming of the Holy Spirit, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Because they're having an anxiety attack right now. Three and a half years, been right there by his side through thick and thin, and now he's going to leave. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you with this abandonment, this sense of, and some of you in here know this all too well, what an orphan spirit's like. You feel like you've just never been able to come home. Like there, it's, In the first service, I, ha- I had this picture of, like a space capsule kind of just orbiting around the earth, looking to dock with some kind of space station, but every of them went by, always. There went a family. There went a home. There went a friendship. I just can't dock. I'm just an orphan lost in space, and I can't find my way home. And Jesus knew that the disciples were going to have this same sense once he left, and he says, oh, no, I'm not going to leave you like that because the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside you and be in you. It's going to be okay because he said I will never leave you nor forsake you I will be with you until the ends of the earth to the end of the world 
I think probably this abandonment issue in our, in our uh, society is one of the biggest things in the world that we have to contend with. Some of us come from broken homes. We, we come from, uh, maybe we come from orphanages. Maybe we come, maybe we're even in homes where we feel like an orphan. We came from a home where we don't quite feel like uh, it's safe. And our whole life, you know, it does an imprinting in us. It changes us. It makes us suspicious and it creates this vacuum in our lives where relationships, we kind of try to get home, but it doesn't quite get us there. And Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do such a work in you that you're going to know you finally came home and you're safe. Not only are we born of God, but we are adopted by God. How's that for a double birth certificate? I mean, how much does God love you and want you to know that you can come home, that you can be born again as his son, his daughter, but also he adopts you? It's like, yep, that's my dad, and yeah, I'm his, and also he adopted me. Mm, Take that, you know. That's coming home. No more orphans. The Greek for the word orphan is really interesting because it even means if you're missing one parent. Not just both, but if you're missing one. Not feeling like you can come home. And really this spirit of love is, that you experience is, uh, is, the, is the love between the father and the son. And I guarantee you there is no orphan spirit between those two. And that's the love through the Holy Spirit, Spirit, through the presence of God that he wants you to experience. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Shalom, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Man, if an orphan needs to hear anything, it's that. Shalom is not just, hey, peace out, that kind of thing. You know, shalom encapsulates every part of life where there is a settled, beautiful peace that comes where there is no need. No matter what you go through, that's the peace that Jesus says he is giving to the disciples. So don't feel like you're an orphan any longer because you aren't. And lastly, in John 14, 25 through 26, says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Because the Holy Spirit has come, you're no spiritual weakling, you're not an orphan any longer, and you are not dumb. You're not dumb. Listen to this. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you will remind you I can't do it Tim I'm not smart enough this is not about being smart enough this is the Holy Spirit living in you who will come alongside you and be in you a shoe salesman there is a seminary now Moody Institute Moody Bible College a shoe salesman (laughs) for crying out loud it's not about that, it's about God in you, the hope of glory. God in you. There's a huge difference too in, 
and walking around in, in a broken state and being dumb like I just can't do I don't know what to do. I can't read this. I can't understand this. Yes, you can. You can understand this because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he will help you understand this. That is a promise. Does it take some work? Remember that quote from Watchman Nee about from the inside out? We're growing. We're making our way out. It takes a little work. And all together, we read the scripture together and we wrestle with it and the Holy Spirit helps us learn. And then we find out, I'm not an orphan anymore. That's what's in here. I'm not an orphan. I don't have to go home and wonder if someone doesn't care about me any longer. I'm not going to go home anymore and wonder if I haven't come home because he has brought me home. I I don't want to... I know we're not supposed to be like proud Christians and arrogant and egotistical, but you should hold your head up because God Almighty came and died for you. And he has adopted you into his family because of his great love for you. You can lift your head up, no longer an orphan, having to be picked on by everybody else, but knowing that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, chose you before the foundations of the world and has adopted you in himself. There's no greater news than that. So what do we do with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to read you a couple of verses, and Van, you guys can come on back up here. Acts 4.13, listen to the change here. When they saw the courage of Peter, how courageous was Peter just a few months before this? I don't know him. I don't know him. And third time, he cussed and said, I don't know him. Right? That's what it says. He cursed. Like, would you get out of my face? I don't know who Jesus is. Three times. Yet now, just a few months later, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took more note that these men had been with Jesus. Oh, man. To be able to be known as having been with Jesus... Someone walks up to you and says, I can tell you've been with Jesus. Acts 6.10, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave Stephen. Who was Stephen? First deacon. Given the responsibility to feed the widows, to take care of the widows and the first martyr. And when he was called to give an account, the Holy Spirit moved on him and he preached the gospel from the Old Testament right on up to where Jesus, and they killed him for it. Because the Holy Spirit gave him the wisdom to do it. Acts seventeen six. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. See, not only does he send you to go, he can tell you not to go. He can say, don't go in that store. Don't go here. Don't do that. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't cross that line right here. Don't do it. He comes alongside to pull you back, to give you help. Don't cross that line. Because if you cross that line, that's not where I've led you. Don't do it. Don't do it. In Acts 16, 7, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The Spirit of Jesus. That is who the Holy Spirit is. And that's why Jesus told the disciples, don't worry. There's one coming. The Advocate. The Spirit of Jesus who will be with you and in you. 
You are not spiritual weaklings. You are not orphans any longer. And you are not ignorant or dumb to the ways of God. For you have the very presence of Jesus living in you if you are a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com. 